Uh, what's going on? Where am I? Craig? Steve? Are you over there? Where is there? We're just like in a white room of nothing. The blank void. I can see something up ahead. There's a brown couch and an old tube TV. Yeah, I see it too. I'm gonna walk towards it. Uh, yeah, I guess I will too. Oh, hey, how's it going? Hey, what's going on? Wow, this is a weird void of nothingness. Yeah. What was the last thing you remember? I remember we were celebrating. We had cigars and balloons and then a flash. I don't remember him being there, but yeah. He stopped in real quick. Makes sense. Hey, there's a box with a ribbon on it. It seems to be a gift. Let's open it. Oh, okay. Can we sit down first on the couch? All right. Let's sit down on the couch. Okay, cool. Thanks. Can you and, kind of move away from me? Like there's oh, more sorry. room. Yeah, thanks. We'll share uh, the couch space. Okay. okay. Uh, oh, open the gift, Steve. All righty. There's a card. Oh, neat. What does it say? It says, to the 138th Simpsons podcast, Dear Annoyed Grunt Boys. Why, I'm half an annoyed grunt boy, Steve. And I'm the other half-annoyed grunt boy, Craig. Please enjoy this present. It appears to be a remote control. Yeah. I'm assuming to this TV in front of us. Well, let me uh, turn it on and see what happens. There's nothing like the warmth of the holidays. Can I take something out for you? <laughs> and this season, <laughs> it'll be a perfect Christmas. Thanks to Chevy Chase. That thing had nine lives. She just sped them all. <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Rated PG-13. At a theater near you. But right now we're going to get kicked off. Jasmine's going to do it for us. Squeeze in there, Jasmine, and get us going. Who is it? Here is Billy Joel with Weezing and Start the Fire. Okay, hey, funk it out. Yeah, yeah. It looks like we're watching uh, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire, the uh, first episode of the first season. It originally aired on December 17th, 1989. It is episode one of the show's run. The nerd code is 7G08. It was written by Mimi Pond, directed by David Silverman. Your showrunners are James L. Brooks, Matt Groening, and Sam Simon. So Mimi Pond is the writer of the very first episode, Steve. Yeah. Now, do you know any other Simpsons episodes that she wrote? I do not. Well, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, Sam Simon, uh, he's left us. He died a few years ago with cancer. Uh, he did a lot of work with um, dog rescue and animal rescues charity. Mm-hmm. So you think he went off, you know, he was always a good guy. But uh, he wasn't in the beginning. It's true. Mimi Pond, who wrote it, she was never invited to be on the staff. And I'm reading from uh, womaninhollywood.com, uh, this article about Mimi Pond. And so she says... Um, I was never invited to be on staff and I never knew why for the longest time. No one ever called me or explained to me or apologized or anything. 
And it wasn't until years later that I found out Sam Simon, who was the showrunner, didn't want any women around because he was going through a divorce. Wow. Yeah, it had remained a boys club for a, lo- a good long time. I feel like I was just as qualified as anyone else who came along and got hired on the show. And just because I was a woman, that I was, you know, not allowed entry in that club. Yeesh. So, yeah, Mimi Pond didn't get a writing job on The Simpsons because of Sam Simon. Yikes. Yeah. You know, Mimi Pond is still around. She's a cartoonist. You actually can go to MimiPond.com, and she's got her cartoons up there. Well, she's also written several comedic books um, in the 80s and beyond. She wrote for she wrote an episode for Designing Women, and um, yeah. So I mean, you know, think about that in those days. Like, oh, it's the uh, the Jerry Lewis mentality of uh, women can't be funny, you know? Mm-hmm. And, Which is so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some of my favorite comics I've said before are, are women. Yeah, me too. I don't consider comedy to be a gender thing. No, I just like to hear different people's voices and their perspectives. Right. And, you know, if you have like a Pen15 or, you know, a Seller of Silverman or whatever, like there's so many good things out there. I mean, I feel like uh, SNL, pretty much since when Tina Fey took over as the head writer, mm-hmm. women have become like the focal point. I'm not saying focal point, but like the strongest of the performers. Yeah. Usually my favorite performers are the women, mm-hmm. especially if you look at the current lineup now or in the 2020s, you know, you got Cecily Strong and A.D. Bryant, Ego Nodum. Ego is one of Ego my one. favorite. Um, and yeah, just Heidi Gardner. There's so many good ones right now. And like you say, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. Gilda um, Radner. Lorraine Newman. Oh, is that actually Don Pardo up here? Hello, I'm dead with Jimmy Page. Robert Plant, Jimi Hendrix, Adolf Hitlerman. Steve, are we in the afterlife with Hitler? I think he said Adolf Hitlerman. Oh. <laughs> I think he was just a landscaper who fell oh, off a okay. roof. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Well, his name was unfortunate too. So, <laughs> yeah. at least I can do he... send him to heaven. <laughs> Especially since he was born in 1987. <laughs> exactly. He had a full beard except for the mustache. <laughs> All right. Terrible public speaker. Great painter. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, some trivia about this episode before I get started. First of all, it's the only full episode to air in the 80s. The Tracy Ullman shorts aired from April 19th, 87 to May 14th, 1989. And the commercials started to air in 88, which is way earlier than I would have thought. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Hey, Steve, you know it's the 80s. You know what that means? What's that? It's the 80s. Do a lot of coke and vote for Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Ah, it's great. Uh, that's a copywritten joke from Mr. Science Theater 3000. Mm-hmm. Hobgoblins, look it up. It's a great one. But uh, I got another uh, trivia for you here, Steve. All right. It's the episode was nominated for, but did not win, a Primetime Emmy Award in the categories of Outstanding Animated Program for Programming, One Hour or Less, and Ooh. Outstanding Editing for a Miniseries or Special. Yeah, it's funny. This is technically a special what right. we always consider it to be a full episode. And although it was the first full episode to air, it was technically supposed to be the eighth episode. And the first one that was supposed to be aired was Some Enchanted Evening. And I think that's the one where Marge gets drunk at the picnic. There was animation issues in South Korea. So that episode had to be postponed to make it the season finale. So they shuffled things around and made this one the first one. And as we mentioned previously, Fox for a long time didn't even consider this to be the first episode. And yeah. so when they would count episodes or milestones, they wouldn't consider this one you know it's funny is uh you watch this episode and then you watch because you said it was the eighth in production mm-hmm. or it was supposed to air the eighth i feel like the animation the voice acting is pretty decent in this first episode but you watch those other episodes that are after that and you're like it seems like they went down in quality yeah that's a really good point because when i was watching this before i had looked up this uh, information i i noticed how well it flowed and how clean it looked Mm-hmm. given that it was quote-unquote the first episode because i'm watching this on disney plus and then after it's done i'm like ah, I'll, I'll watch the next episode bart <laughs> the genius continuing the you know bart the general then I, even the um some enchanted evening i just kind of go back to that first this first episode i'm like just it looks a little bit better too yeah and coincidentally enough the omen short that was called simpsons christmas first aired 364 days before this episode wow which isn't that really exciting because it just means that they aired it around christmas time <laughs> Who would have thought that? <laughs> yeah, they didn't air it in May. <laughs> That's smart programming. They know what they're doing there. Yeah. Uh, so our episode proper begins with a title card, but instead of the classic chorus and the uh, classic parting of the clouds, there is snow falling 
and text that reads, The Simpsons Christmas Special. Also, instead of any uh, chalkboard or couch gag, we cut straight to the action. Homer and Marge driving erratically through the snow, hurrying to not be late to the Springfield Elementary School Annual Pageant. It's spelled on the reader board as P-A-G-E-N-T. And the uh, Springfield Chopper gave the show three and a half stars. So they've already seen it? I guess. Maybe this wasn't the first night. Oh, my God. Or they had the, uh, you know, the dry runs. What are those called in Broadway? Sure, the dry runs. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not a Broadway actor anymore. It seems too scary. Yeah, it seems really scary. And I think they're literally called previews. There you go, previews. That's the word that I was trying to come up with. Did you ever have to participate in a Christmas pageant at elementary school? or Uh, The one thing that sticks out in my mind is I had to sing Beauty and the Beast, the theme from the Disney movie, a lot. And I don't remember if that was a holiday thing or just a school thing, but I just remember having to sing that a lot. Yeah, I think we did... I don't think we did like a Christmas pageant like this, but yeah, we, cause when you're in elementary school, I think you're, everyone's always in the choir. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we did the beauty of the beast one year, then Aladdin the next year. Then we did a Hedwig and the angry inch my fourth grade year. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It was really weird. <laughs> did you have to put on prosthetics? <laughs> uh, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Anyways, back to the Simpsons, Steve, uh, inside the auditorium, Homer Marge and McGaggy, and her first appearance, probably of her little one-star onesie, right? Mm-hmm. So they step over several people in the crowded audience to find their seats. And Marge is trying to uh, be quiet and apologetic. But Homer greets his fellow parents, Norman and Fred? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, okay, and steps on some woman's foot. <laughs> yeah, so on stage, a class of children are singing a traditional Christmas carol to the crowd's applause. And then uh, Principal Skinner introduces the next class. Wasn't that wonderful? And now... Santas of many lands, as presented by the entire second grade class. Oh, Lisa's class. Felice Weihnachten. That's German for Merry Christmas. In Germany, Santa's servant Ruprecht gives presents to good children and whipping rods to the parents of bad ones. Merry Kuramatsu. I am Hotsuyashi, a Japanese priest who acts like Santa Claus. I have eyes in the back of my head, so children better behave when I'm nearby. (gasps) Now, presenting Lisa Simpson as Tawanga, the Santa Claus of the South Seas. Oh, it's Lisa. That's ours. I I mean, I know this is the first episode, but uh, does Ralph go through unpuberty? I'm assuming that's Ralph is the Japanese one, right? Yeah, I mean, he kind of does because there is like, there's another episode where I think it's where Lisa becomes the beauty queen. Right, I remember that. And his voice is very different and he's a lot more confident and just a kid. They've talked about it before. He was supposed to be like little Homer Simpson. Yeah, and it wasn't until the one where... Lisa breaks his heart that he became Ralph and he became Clancy's son and his whole world was established. Right. It wasn't until then that we didn't, we didn't even know who his, his dad was or his yeah. mom. Yeah. So uh, Lisa comes out of the stage and uh, she's wearing a grass skirt, a traditional tiki mask, and juggling some flaming wands and the audience uh, stares on, stunned, maybe because of uh, she's naked. <laughs> Maybe. No, she's not. Uh, so she dances with fire and in the routine on her knees and lifts up her mask to reveal a coconut bra on her smiling face. <laughs> yeah, the, the audience is stunned by a lot. Like when Ralph <laughs> turns around and he's just wearing <laughs> yeah, right? eyes with, the, the, with the, the slinky eyes, like they were stunned by that. So I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> Why are you so stunned by? <laughs> and I know it's 1989, but come on. I mean, we, had, we had VCRs and I'm saying for like uh, shock value of entertainment. Right. I don't know why I said VCRs. <laughs> so there is some trivia about yeah. the Lisa being naked. I so mean, look at it. It does look. You don't see a line on her foot to her ankle. Right. And also it's a very thin grass skirt. <laughs> yeah, right. There's like 12 blades of grass on there. But when Lisa is doing her tribal dance at the school's Christmas pageant, a lot of people were curious why she's not wearing anything besides the skirt. Years later, in the DVD commentary, it's revealed that Lisa is actually wearing a yellow leotard and is, in fact, not naked. Sure. I think Seems that was... like maybe don't make them so yellow. Right. Why isn't it uh, 
Green or something. Yeah. Matt Groening, or is it Groening? He also said that this was inspired to do the Christmas of Minion Land sketch by an oral report he gave when he was in the second grade, much like Lisa. Mm -hmm. And Matt's grandmother, who is from Russia, gave a report on how Russian children are greeted by Grandfather Winter and given gifts from him and how due to the differences in the Julian and Gregorian calendars, the Russians celebrate their Christmas in January. Wow. Hey, here's what I got to say to you, Matt. Russia. So up next, Skinner stumbles his way through introducing Bart's class. The first appearance of Bart in a full episode, Steve. Ooh. So us kids were waiting for. This was our Force Awakens. Ah, the uh, fourth grade will now favor us with a melody, uh, medley of holiday flavorites. Dancing through the snow in a One of my favorite jokes mm-hmm. um, is to begin with Skinner, which is our first non-Simpsons family character that's introduced in The Simpsons, right? Yeah. They never introduced other characters in Ullman shorts, right? That's kind of what I wanted to ask you about, and I could have done I any research seen, about it. Yeah. It's been so long, and I don't know what I've seen, but I always feel like the Ullman shorts were almost exclusively in the house. Like, I don't know that they really explored the world beyond, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, we can ask Sam Simon in the afterworld here. Is he, is he here? I don't see him. Oh, huh, weird. Huh. Anyways, one of my favorite jokes is a uh, uh, Skinner. The fourth grade class will introduce Melody. I mean, Medley. Like he stumbles on like, well, both are fine, right? Right. And then with the holiday flavorites and just goes over that. <laughs> you know, it probably took me a few years to to like hear that joke. By the yeah, way, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Like I I totally missed that when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, I think Bat, uh, Bart singing the Batman Jingle Bells song is like one of the most iconic things for me as a child, like seeing a commercial for that. Yeah. Like, he's singing like I sing. Because we, we all sang that as kids. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's, there's, it's funny because there's some iconic jokes in this episode, or at least a few that I'm like, wow, I love it. Yeah. Also, we get a good look at the fourth grade class and we see Sherry O'Terry there and uh, a few other students, but there's like a lot of students that they didn't really use that would be fun to watch the adventures of. There's like kind of a, Awkward tall girl. Is Wendell there? I can't tell. Yeah, I think so. There's a kid who looks like Cyclops. He's there. Yeah. I mean, Sherry here have different hair colors, but it's okay. Yeah. I gotta say, it's, it's pretty diverse, and, too. Yeah, especially for Springfield. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah, and also, there's a lot of trivia on the internet about how, like, some of the animation is off or the coloring is different, and I didn't include any of that because... It's the this first, is the first episode. episode. There's no more. There's no mistakes to make. No, because no. you're building the world. So exactly. So the show must go on as Homer grows bored. Steve, the nervous principal, introduces the fifth grade class to perform a scene from a Charles Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol. As Homer wonders just how many grades are in this school. <laughs> Probably just five, right? I would assume so, because you know sixth grade is the start of middle school. Yeah. When I was a kid, my elementary school was K through six. And yeah. then I think when I got to fourth grade, they built a, a middle school close by. So then they like, all right, well, six will start going there. Then fifth will end here. I, think mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. My dad always said that, you know, in the 1800s, they always, uh, <laughs> they had like junior high, which was seventh and eighth grade or maybe seventh, eighth and ninth grade. There is junior highs that are seventh, eighth and ninth. Yeah. But I've always known it to be elementary school, then middle school, which is six, seven, eight. It is kind of weird to think about. There's three buildings, one that has, you know, essentially six grades. Yeah. Who wild, who very wildly in maturity, like the difference between a kindergartner and a fifth grader. (laughs) It's huge. Right. And then you have three grades six seven eight it's, it seems weird like there's a building just for like three grades yeah it's but weird. then the next one for four yeah you know what they really should do hmm. high school should be nine ten eleven mm-hmm. and there should be community college which is your senior and then like two years after that which is free so uh free community college that's what i'm saying <laughs> i'm for it it makes sense anyway uh back at 742 evergreen terrace which might not be known now or yet in the world that that's the actual address uh the simpson family is preparing for the holidays homer is unboxing christmas decorations lisa and bart are writing their letters to santa well marge is doing some writing of her own a letter to send out to 
friends and family. Dear friends of the Simpson family, we had some sadness and some gladness this year. First, the sadness. Our little cat, Snowball, was unexpectedly run over and went to kitty heaven. But we bought a new little cat, Snowball, too. So I guess life goes on. Speaking of life going on, Grandpa is still with us, feisty as ever. Maggie is walking by herself. Lisa got straight A's. And Bart, well, we love Bart. The magic of the season has touched us all. Marge, haven't you finished that stupid letter yet? Homer sends his love. Happy holidays. Marge. The Simpsons. Marge, where's the extension cord? For heaven's sakes, Homer, it's in the utility drawer. Sorry, I'm just a big kid. And I love Christmas so much. When you're writing a sitcom, especially like a pilot, you know, you kind of just want to get your characters out in a way. And I think the this is a good way of introducing everyone. It's like, okay, so Lisa's the smart one. Bart's a troublemaker. Mm-hmm. Even though we already saw their kind of characteristics in the opening at the, the play. But still, it's mm-hmm. nice to just kind of establish the family. Yeah, and I think it, it's a nice, like, conversion from going from being, like, three-minute shorts, which the, like, opening kind of is, to the bigger world of The Simpsons where there's more depth to the characters. Right. And, you know, they're making on, like, well, people know about these Ullman shorts, but I think as a kid, too not really watching Tracy Ullman because like, well, that's, you know, adult kind of humor. Mm -hmm. And this is just helping like new viewers. I mean, that's why I, 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 you know, I'd never watched the Tracy Ullman as a kid and I've only ever seen the shorts, you know, either if they reference on the Simpsons, like the 138 Simpson spectacular, or just now even just going on YouTube. If I'm like, all right, let me see some of this. So um, yeah, it's, it's a great way to introduce. So uh, Homer goes to the uh, utility drawer to uh, find a tangled mess of cords and tries to undo the many knots. Marge calls for the children to give her their letters and she'll send them off to Santa's workshop at the North Pole. Bart remarks that there's only one fat guy that brings him presents and his name ain't Santa. <laughs> so on Lisa's list, she has a neatly and repeatedly written a pony along with a very clean thank you at the bottom. And uh, Marge reminds her that uh, she's asked for a pony for the past three years and that Santa can't fit a tiny horse in his sleigh. Can she take a hand? Jeez. I'm glad they got rid of this trope. <laughs> Lisa and her pony. It's it's fun that her love for a pony just dates back to the very first episode. Yeah, and also this episode really shows her the balance of her as an intelligent person and a little girl. Yep. Not that a, a little girl can't be an intelligent person, but like... <laughs> The smart thinking iconoclast Lisa versus little girl Lisa. Like, I think that this episode, even so early on, balances that really well. And there's a scene later on that we'll get to, but I, I think it's it's nice. Yeah. Do you think they need to drop the, I think we've talked about it before, about Lisa should just drop wanting the pony in current current times i think so i feel like her her persona now and this is probably what we've talked about before has kind of would should have grown out of the desire to own an animal right i could see her like not wanting to own an animal uh, a pony but there should be an episode where she gets to uh in her name or something like that uh pony rescue facility yeah. uh, with her name on much like with you know the little lisa slurry maybe in that kind of way mm-hmm. a sanctuary yeah but of course, she'd be like, she wouldn't want people to ride them either. Right. Just let them roam free and right. have all the oats and sugar cubes that they want. As long as it's uh, non-GMO sugar cubes and yeah. organically raised Fair, sugar fair cubes. trade oats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, hoping he'll be a little more re- realistic. Uh, Marge takes a look at uh, Bart's list. Among other things, Bart is asking for a tattoo. Just like uh, our podcast, we talk about tattoos all the time. Yeah. Uh, when asked about it, uh, the young underachiever explains that they're cool and they last like for the rest of your life. And Marge firmly states that Bart will not be getting a tattoo. And Homer kind of supports his wife by saying that if Bart wants a tattoo, he'll have to pay for it with his own allowance money. <laughs> uh, great joke there. But then all of a sudden, <gasps> the phone rings. Yellow. Marge, please. Who's this? May I please speak to Marge? This is her sister, isn't it? Is Marge there? Who shall I say is calling? Marge, please. It's your sister. No. Hello. Hello, Marge. It's Patty. Selma and I couldn't be more excited about seeing our baby sister for Christmas Eve. Well, Homer and I are looking forward to your visit, too. (coughs) Somehow I doubt that Homer's excited. Of all the men you could have married, I don't know why you picked one who's always so rude to us. Now we get the uh, introduction of Patty and Selma. 
Yeah, starting off their hatred of Homer early on. And I have to say, like, in this episode, Homer's kind of a kind of a lot more sympathetic than he kind of grows to be. Like, he's just kind of like a victim of his own circumstances rather than like him doing things that are bad. He's annoyed by the uh, Patty and Selma, but he doesn't outright like hate them right. as much as he does. And it's kind of their fault, too, because like, you know, he's asking a simple question, even though he knows. Yeah. And then she's like, Marge there. I speak to Marge. I wonder if that's a um of the time. Like, was that a th- remember when landlines were a thing, Steve? <laughs> like <laughs> when, we were, when we were kids, you know. Well, even when I first moved out, we had a landline. Mm-hmm. But like, even as a kid, like, did you ever say like, uh, "Who's speaking?" Like, if the phone rings and you picked it up. There's been a lot of work situations where I've had to like answer the phone. All right, that's true. Yeah. And like, you go up to like maybe a superior or not a superior, and they're just like, "Who is it?" I'm like, "I don't, I don't know." <laughs> so you have like have to demand who it is. We've and, become such like an introvert society because of technology. Yeah. Like, remember, like, just even as like kid or growing up, like you hear someone knock on the door, the doorbell. Your instinct is like, "Ooh, rush to the door!" Like, <laughs> what? Hello. Now you hear you're like, what "The fuck is going on, man?" Yeah. Even like, you know, like Uber Eats is coming to drop your food off. You're like, don't you fucking dare ring the doorbell. We know you're here. Yeah, don't don't bother. And like, if the phone rings, oh God. Yeah, you're scared. Yeah, either somebody's dead or somebody wants money. That's usually it, right? Yeah. As the sister's phone call fades away, we cut to the rooftop of the Simpsons' home where Homer is putting the finishing touches on the outdoor Christmas lights before falling to the snowy ground. Uh, Homer calls for Marge to turn on the electricity, and as she does, just a couple of lights on the string flicker, and one bulb audibly pops, and Lisa half-heartedly tries to console her father while Bart lets out a uh, defeated sigh. And next door, we're introduced to his neighbor, that is Mr. Ned Flanders, outside with his son Todd, ready to plug in his own Christmas lights. Ooh, and as he does so, his house is brightly illuminated as an animatronic Santa waves next to his elves robotically repeating, ho, 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 ho. The uh, Simpsons children are awestruck while Homer complains that it's too bright, calling Flanders a show-off under his breath. So it's uh, it's Flanders, and he's just kind of that impressive uh, the Joneses kind of guy. We should show current Ned Flanders what his house looked like because he would be appalled by the fact that he shortened Christmas to Xmas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on the signs. But this is, again, we, we don't know. You're right. It's the, the, the Joneses. They were meant to be the ideal family. Mm-hmm. The, everything's perfect. Nothing is wrong. But uh, they just turned into crazy Christians. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the term, the Ned Flandersization, the, the trope that, uh, that we all like to use. Mm-hmm. The next day, Marge and the kids are preparing to head to the mall. Steve, what's a mall? It's like, imagine <laughs> if like Amazon mm-hmm. were like separated by different stores. Weird. And not so evil. And you had to go to it instead of it coming to you. I don't like it. I don't like it. No. Uh, anyway, so they go to the mall to do some Christmas shopping. And Marge sends Bart and Lisa to get their money. As uh, Homer asked for the jar of savings, his wife has kept hidden throughout the years. Uh, it's Marge's little secret. So she has Homer close his eyes. And then she pulls a jar of cash from her blue <laughs> beehive hair. Nah. We didn't see any ears. So I don't think that was a canon. It's not. Not a bunny. <laughs> Homer is impressed with the savings. Nice. So the uh, they head to the Springfield Mall, and Marge and the kids find a parking spot in section ZZ. Remember that was a big joke in the eighties, like trying to find a parking spot, and then like you'd go to the you'd find one far away, and then you'd complain, and then you'd spend all day walking in the mall because we were getting a uh, a TV for our friends that just had a kid. Oh yeah. And then uh, one of our other friends, uh, you know, like they a win goldfish? a goldfish. <laughs> yeah. And the other guy had to really pee. Yeah. And they, he was going to write down where the parking spot was, but he's afraid of keeping a pen in his pocket because he didn't want to puncture his scrotum. Then he ended up peeing, and the mall security caught him. He had to go to mall jail. Uh, inside the mall, the Simpsons ladies are enjoying the decorations and the holiday-themed toy train set, while Bart sets his eyes on the Happy Sailor Tattoo Parlor, which is having a Christmas special. Up to 12 letters, only fifteen ninety-five. There's a lot of money stuff in this episode, and it's just kind of amazing how cheap stuff is. Uh, if we do the inflation calculator, Steve, I'll let you know what how much that is. So 12 letters for 16 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That would be uh, the equivalent of about 34 bucks. That's still a really cheap tattoo. <laughs> for a tattoo, yeah. <laughs> I know. I saw like someone posted 
like old toy catalogs mm-hmm. you know just like seeing like like the old like uh star wars like uh the millennium falcon or whatever and it's like only twenty dollars you're like twenty dollars i can afford that that thing's worth money these days <laughs> let me go back yeah. in time and buy a bunch of millennium falcons and then sell them on ebay <laughs> but then i realized we don't have a time machine i Wait know but maybe up in here we do maybe yeah, i just remember just... there was a gi joe aircraft carrier that was over six feet long oh yeah and it was the toy to have and like it seemed impossible that any kid could own it and it was like 150 bucks which even then that's ridiculous yeah yeah and it's pretty much just a long piece of plastic but it could fill all your toys all the like ships and jets could land on it like it it would fill a room Mm -hmm. it it had to because i've I've only seen one in person i there was one at a uh a collectible store and yeah like he it wasn't even fully complete either but he had it on display but it like took up like one third of his store yeah the uss flag it was called <laughs> and uh let's see right now on ebay it goes for one thousand two hundred fifty dollars jeez yeah there was dollars shipping there was a show on amc called comic book man it was a kevin smith show about his store and one of the episodes they someone did bring the whole thing in and it was it was crazy i think he i think the guy wanted like a thousand bucks for it for like a thousand dollars i think one of the guys that ran it the show ended up buying it out of his own pocket because it was something he wanted as a kid and never got yeah this christmas time you wanted that you you never got it obviously but right well maybe if you look under the tree this year steve (laughs) it'll be quite obvious if you get it or not (laughs) yeah (laughs) i got you the micro machine version steve (laughs) yay did you know micro machines are back are they really? Yeah. I was at uh, Target and I was in the toy aisle and I saw Micro Machines like, with the same like cool logo and everything. Huh. I bet in 1989 I was playing with Micro Machines watching this episode. That would track, yeah. So uh, back to the tattoo parlor, Steve. <laughs> uh, Bart is looking at a sample tattoo that has the banner that says, Mother over a heart. Aww. He imagines himself with the ink and Marge responds favorably towards it, saying, It's the best present a mother could get and makes Bart look so dangerous. Love that line from her. Mm-hmm. Oh, honey, I, you look so dangerous. I just love the, the thought process of a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that a mother would say that. Yeah. So uh, Bart walks into the parlor requesting, One mother, please. And the gruff tattoo artist, which looks a whole lot like Dr. Dr. <laughs> yeah. Marvin Monroe, asks Bart's age. To which Bart replies, 21, sir. And then the boy is told to get on the chair. <laughs> we then cut to the uh, Springfield nuclear power plant where Christmas music plays. And uh, Homer's inspecting some various gauges and meters, not noticing one of them in the red. And over the PA system, we hear another Springfield character that will play many, many roles. Well, just one role, but <laughs> major character. Attention all personnel, please keep working during the following announcement. And now, our boss and friend... Mr. Burns. Hello. I'm proud to announce that we've been able to increase safety here at the plant without increasing the cost to the consumer or affecting management pay raises. However, for you semi-skilled workers, there will be no Christmas bonuses. Oh, Oh, and one more thing. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Oh, thank God for the big jar. There's a visual joke there where Smithers clearly says to not stop working and Homer just goes over and stops working and eats a donut and then another guy does it and then like all of them do it and that's just such a quiet little joke and I really like it. Yeah. There's some, that's kind of funny. There's some like pretty good jokes in this episode. You know, everyone's like, oh, the first season, but uh, I'm not one of those people, Steve. No. I, what I like about it is that it's kind of calm and quiet in a way. Well, it's, it's very, yeah, because it's very much like a sitcom. Right, and it takes its time. And it also really feels like this one honestly does feel like a Charlie Brown special or a Garfield special. Like it yep. it moves like that. Like it's kind of episodic in the episode. I don't know. I like it. So we're introduced to Mr. Burns and uh, Smithers. God, I gotta say, Harry Shear's voice as Mr. Burns sure wasn't on key there yet, Steve. Yeah, it's weird. You want to know why? Why? Well, that wasn't Harry at all. What? 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 Yeah. The original voice of Mr. Burns was an actor named Christopher Collins. So he originally voiced Mr. Burns in the episode, this one, Homer's Odyssey, There's No Disgrace Like Home, and The Telltale Head. He was soon replaced by Harry Shearer because Sam Simon found out that Collins liked to work with women. No. Uh, (laughs) Actually different. Yeah, he found Collins difficult to work with. And then uh, Collins actually died June 12th, 1994. Under mysterious circumstances? He was uh, sleeping with Sam's wife at the time. No. Uh, I guess he just hard to work with. So yeah, Chris Collins was 
voice actor. Uh, there you go. Interesting. So it's kind of interesting that yeah, he starts that voice and then Harry just kind of like takes that voice. You would think that was Harry, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Interesting. Uh, so back at the Springfield Mall, Marge wonders where her son is. When she hears him scream, she opens the door to the tattoo parlor to find that Bart is nearly done with the tattoo. As the heart is complete and the text reads, Moth. She then pulls Bart out of the tattoo shop while he tries to explain that he thought that she'd appreciate it. Now I know we have a segment on this podcast where we say, what would you get tattooed? Mm-hmm. And a lot of Simpsons fans like will get that tattoo. Yeah. So I'll get that tattoo. <laughs> Me too. It's it's a classic, you know, like it's from the first episode. Everyone knows what it is. I love it. Plus, it's funny on its own, too. Like yep. outside of The Simpsons, it's just a funny joke. Anyways, uh, Marge rushes her son to the hospital. And uh, as the plaque on the wall shows, they are in the offices of Dr. Irving Zitofsky. The good doctor, not that one, tells Marge that he can remove the tattoo with a simple procedure involving lasers. The downside, however, is that the routine is quite expensive and they must insist on a cash payment up front. So reluctantly, she uses the savings jar to pay for the removal as she thanks God for Homer's non-existent Christmas bonus. Ooh, real uh, O. Henry situation there because Uh he's all happy that she's going to get that gift. Oh, I was going to say uh, he could really use a payday. Maybe a hundred grand. And some almond joy. (laughs) (laughs) That was dumb. I'm done uh, making jokes. Okay. Uh, so Bart is played out on a bet on a on a gurney type thing. I caramba. In, in, in like James Bond fashion, a laser points towards him. Dr. Zakowski tells the young Hellraiser not to squirm, as you wouldn't want this sucker anywhere near your eye or your groin. I feel like groin is a really like late eighties, early nineties word. Maybe it's just because I was a kid at the time. You don't hear groin so much anymore. No. No, there's something else Bart says too in this episode. I forget that I'm like, well, you don't hear that anymore. I forget hmm. what it is. We'll probably get to it. But uh hey, he says his catchphrase, I caramba. It's true. Yeah. Well, back at home, Bart is on the couch uh, below a beach painting rather than the usual schooner. Steve, what's a schooner? It's a sailboat. uh, I'm not dumb. I was just making a mall rats reference. Yeah. Lisa and Maggie are poking the brother's bandaged arm and another classic Simpsons joke can be heard. Ow, quit it. Ow, quit it. Ow, quit it. Ow, quit it. Hey, what's with this? Ow, quit it. Used to be a real boss tattoo. But Mom had to spend all the Christmas money having it surgically removed. Hmm? <gasps> it's true! The jar is empty! Oh my god! We're ruined. Christmas is canceled. No presents for anyone! Don't worry, Homer. We'll just have to stretch your Christmas bonus even further this year. Ah! Homer? Oh, yeah. My Christmas bonus. <laughs> How silly of me. This will be the best Christmas yet. The best any family ever had. <laughs> that was it. That's what I was referring to of a thing they say. Is Bart says it's a boss tattoo. No one says that's boss, man. Yeah, that's definitely of the time. We should start bringing that back. It's totally boss. One of my favorite jokes there is the, ow, quit it. Quit it. Yeah. Ow. That's so classic. And it's like Maggie's doing it. And in mm-hmm. fact, when Homer comes in, it's like, hey, what's this? Flirting <laughs> pain. Oh, great. Great scene. Yeah. It just flows really well. Yep. Uh, so uh, Homer steps outside and looks at the uh, sad lights that he has hung up around the house. He then sees the extravagant display that Flanders has erected and hangs his head in shame. That's the first time the word erected and Flanders has been used in the same <laughs> sentence. Or mod. <laughs> uh, we don't see her in this, do we? Uh, no. Uh, so our second act begins at the Simpsons' bedroom, where Marge is concerned that Homer is hiding something from her. He tells his wife that he loves her, and that he doesn't deserve her as much as a guy with a fat wallet and a credit card that won't set off that horrible beeping. Marge is suspicious that Homer is keeping a secret about his Christmas bonus, and she keeps asking for it, but to no success. Homer begins earnestly, wanting to be honest with his wife, as she uh, lovingly caresses his hand. But then he changes course and states that he, uh, wants to do the Christmas shopping this year. Marge agrees, and they turn out the lights. And in classic cartoon fashion, all that is seen is Homer's eyes and nervous smile in a sea of blackness. The following day, Homer heads to the Circus of Values, where nothing is over $5. Marge, Marge, let's see. Ooh, look! Pantyhose, practical and alluring. A six-pack, oh, only $4.99. Ooh, that's a paper. I bet Bart can think of a million things to do with these. That just leaves little Maggie. Oh, look, a little squeak toy. It says it's for dogs, but she can't read. 
Oh, Samson, it's you. Hello, Flanders. Oh, my, what a little mess we've got here. Well, which ones are yours and which ones are mine? Well, let's see. Oh, this one's mine, and this one's mine, <laughs> this one's mine, and... Uh, They're th all yours. Hey, Mr. Simpson, you dropped your pork chop. Give me that. Well, happy holidays, Simpson. Hey, Dad, this is going to be the best Christmas ever. <laughs> you bet. All right, I just now decided uh, a great idea for a Simpsons fan, what to get them for a present, mm -hmm. is to literally get like, <laughs> a pork chop squeaky toy, ream of paper, and pantyhose. And like, uh, that's, 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 that's a, a great joke. thing, yeah. All right, well, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, we're already dead, so it doesn't matter. You won't have another Christmas. Yeah, you neither. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> there again, there's Flanders, you know, not mocking, but uh, displaying his wealth. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Homer sheds a single tear and heads to Moe's. Oh, it's the first time we've seen Moe's. There's so many firsts in this episode, Steve. I know. Uh, which is uh, decked out in the holidays with decorations everywhere. And Santa Baby is playing in the background, sung by one Madonna. Ooh. Yeah. The black-haired barkeeper asks Homer what's wrong, as he's been nursing the same beer all day long. Moe offers Homer a candy cane. And Barney, with blonde hair in a Santa costume, bursts into the empty tavern. Drinks all around! What with a crazy get-up, Barn? I got me a part-time job working as a Santa down at the mall. Wow, can I do that? Well, I don't know. They're pretty selective. <coughs> do you like children? What do you mean? All the time? Even when they're nuts? Hmm. Uh, I certainly do. Welcome aboard, Simpson. Pending your successful completion of our training program, that is. Ho, ho, ho! Ho, ho, ho! Ho, ho, ho! Ho, ho, ho! What is it now, Simpson? Uh, when do we get paid? Not a dime till Christmas Eve. Now, from the top. Ho, ho, ho! Ho, ho, ho! Um, Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Nixon, Comet, Cupid, Donna Dixon? Sit down, Simpson. He says uh, Donna Dixon at the end there. <laughs> yeah. As, of course, uh, Donna Dixon was a model and actress and married to someone who looks just like Homer Simpson, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> I thought that was fun. Yeah. I also think it's interesting the time that we live in when um, there was a joke about interviewer asked Homer, do you like children? And he's taken aback and says, what? And I thought they were going to go for like a pedophile joke. But the time is so innocent that that wasn't a thing that people thought about ever. <laughs> Right. So it's just like, oh, even when they're annoying. Because the time that we lived in, I was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like now, now when they're hiring like a mall Santa, like Homer's real reaction should be what, what the uh, the hiring of mall Santas would be, right? Like, yeah, I, I like him in doses, but no. Whereas like if someone's like, I love kids all the time, they're the best. I'm like, mm, yeah, we're gonna have to pass on you, uh, <laughs> Mr. Steve. Why is the name Mr. Steve? I was referencing you. Oh, okay. Uh, if I, this is as long as you're not disparaging Tony Steve. <laughs> that, hey, that, I'm Tony Steve over here. I don't fuck children. We didn't Just ask you did. And get off our couch, bro. You're not part of this podcast. Hey, I'm walking out of here. Okay, Into thanks. the afterlife I go. Bye. Um, interesting bit of trivia. The uh, Santa teacher appears again in Homer's At the Bat from season three but as a hypnotist. Yeah, I remember that. I was trying to place that. Yeah, and he doesn't really have a name. Those are the only two episodes that he's in. So, I mean... And I felt like he was in more episodes. That's weird. Yeah, so I guess he was just down on his luck this year, and he had to... <laughs> hire mall Santas. Yeah, maybe he's a really good teacher, though, since he maybe hypnotizes them to believe right. that they are Santa. Let's bring him back from the <laughs> Simpsons jail. Is I there a Simpsons jail? Probably. We probably get it power. untapped out. <laughs> I don't even have my phone here. Oh, this sucks. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, the training continues with the teacher sitting on Homer's lap, playing the role of, uh, of the child. Not the child from The Mandalorian, Steve. Grogu? So the instructor explains that instead of choking the questioning child, it's better to say that uh, Sam's busy this time of year, and yet you're one of his helpers. Yeah, that's right. Don't choke children unless they deserve it. Dead tired, uh, Homer arrives back at home, and Marge is wondering why he's seven hours late. Homer tells his wife that he's headed to the street to the tub, can't talk. Uh, but Marge points out that his sisters, Patty and Selma, have stopped by for a visit. So the Bouvier twins are manhandling Bart and Lisa, who are relieved and happy to see their father and uh, to free themselves from the grips of the lonely, lonely sisters. Homer reluctantly tries to make some polite conversation 
with uh, his sisters-in-law, but they dismiss him saying that the household isn't very festive because they're using even a tree. Jeez. So uh, Homer tells Patty and Selma that he's just about to get a tree and then storms out the door, denying his children's request to tag along. Uh, Homer hits the road while a chorus sings, Walking in a Winter Wonderland. He drives by one lot where all the trees are $75, another one that is, offers trees for $60 and up, and even one with slightly irregular trees for $45. You know what's funny? We, we just talked about the inflation calculator and, and earlier, but I don't think trees have changed price <laughs> since yeah. this because I, I, I haven't paid it. $75 for a tree. No, I mean, we are lucky where we live because trees are bountiful. But yeah, you're right. And we have tree farms. Yeah. Because we, we used to go, well, now we have a fake tree, but we used to go to a tree farm on uh, Savi Island, which was here in Portland. And there was, a, I think, like a, a noble fir. If you cut it down, it was like, like a six footer was like 35 bucks. Yeah. And that was a few years ago. So like, and that's like a noble fir. Those are usually more expensive, but yeah. Yeah. Usually about 40 to 50 bucks for a tree is pretty normal for like a good size six or seven foot tree. Yeah. But uh, we live in an age of fake trees and we'll never see a tree again. Oh no. That's fine. Don't need oxygen. So it's true. I haven't breathed once. Well, we then see snowy footprints and a no trespassing sign as the sound of the chainsaw can be heard. A tree falls in the forest, and it did make a sound, <laughs> causing another man to say, Hey, you, what are you doing there? And the shadowy figure of Homer hauling off with the tree is shown as dog barks and a rifle is shot. And I was wondering, it's kind of weird that Homer just happened to have a <laughs> chainsaw in his car. Hey, bro, do you want to see my hockey mask and chainsaw? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he does keep it in there. It's kind of funny how like a lot of like things that happen in this episode also happen in the number one movie from this week, which was Christmas Vacation. I was thinking like, about that. Clark Clark doesn't get a Christmas bonus. Like Homer doesn't get his. He goes into the wilderness to get a tree, just like they did in Christmas Vacation. Yeah, the lighting of the the, the, the lighting of lights. The, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Having horrible nieces or nephews, or I mean aunts and uncles. Right. Right. And you know they had to have animated this. You know. A year before, right? Yeah. All right. Doing it in like '87 or or not '87, but in '88. Yeah. Maybe uh maybe Sam Simon and uh Chevy Chase were pals. They seem like jerks together. Yeah. Let's do cocaine and not like women. <laughs> Although to be fair, to be fair, uh, Chevy Chase has been with his wife since like the '80s, right? Yeah, I That's think so. Name? Yeah. I think he's just a dick to people in general. I don't think yeah. it matters if you're male or female. <laughs> yeah, he's just an asshole. And what an asshole he is. <laughs> So Homer evades the dogs and back home to show off the uh, Christmas tree. And the kids are pleased with it while Patty and Selma are skeptical because there's a birdhouse there. But Homer says that uh, it's an ornament. Yeah. And they're also wondering why there's a lingering smell of uh, gunpowder. <laughs> this sounds dumb, but I was researching guns and the history of guns and gunpowder predates the gun. I mean, they probably didn't call it gunpowder, but yeah. Well, like the two towers, like they use gunpowder in the Lord of the Rings mythology. Yeah. Which is your favorite genre of films. Yeah. They're fun. <laughs> so fast paced, nice and tight, not over explanatory. <laughs> Only clear. 90 minutes long each episode. Yep. Clear characters, no people who look just the same. And, you know, important <laughs> plot lines. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the female representation of those movies is amazing. So good. I love that one black lady in that fantasy movie. Um, at the mall, Homer is working his second gig as Santa. Unaware that it's his father, Bart looks on with friends Milhouse and Lewis Clark. And then I want some Robotoids, and then I want a Goop Monster, and then I want a great uh, big son, giant... You don't need all that junk. I'm sure you've already got something much more important. A decent home and a loving father who would do anything for you. Hey, I can afford lunch. Give me a bite of that donut. Get a load of that quote-unquote Santa. I can't believe those kids are falling for it. Hey, Millhouse, I dare you to sit on his lap. Oh, yeah? Well, I dare you to yank his beard off. Ah, touche. I hope you feel better, Santa. Oh, I will when Mrs. Claus's sisters get out of town. Thanks for listening, kid. <coughs> hey, Santa, what's shaking, man? What's your name, Bartner? Uh, little partner? Well, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? I'm Charlie Old St. Nick. Oh, yeah? We'll just see about that. So, When you're watching it, when Bart says, I'm Bart Simpson, who the hell are you? Were you like, he said it. He said the line. He said the words. <laughs> uh, classic Simpsons merchandise from the 90s. Yep. Remember, if you, if some. Although kid, I don't think he ever said that he was an underachiever and proud of it. Sorry, go ahead. 
No, but like, uh, you imagine if you were that kid that wore that shirt that says, I'm Bart Simpson, who the hell are you? Oh, you got kicked oh, out of school. Yeah. <laughs> or you had to put tape over hell. <laughs> yeah. Now imagine like kids in fifth grade have a Cardi B shirt that says, what ass pussy on it, and they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> or their music teacher is actually like conducting them on how to sing that song. Yeah. All right, kids, today we're doing Cardi B's What Ass Pussy. We need some altos, some baritones, and sopranos. But I've never, I didn't take choir. Is that how that works? That's a good Largo, though. Thanks. I think so. I did like uh, a goop monster. That's what a Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> calls her vagina. Jesus. That wasn't really worth it, but remember when they said the thing? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Anyway. But uh, we get Mailhouse talking. Sounds mm-hmm. pretty close. Yeah. Not as a as a much of a wiener at this time, but, you know, there you go. Yeah. Again, it's the first episode. We haven't established all the character tropes. So um, after Bart discovers his, little sec- his father's little secret, Homer takes Bart to Santa's workshop where the boy pleads not to be killed. And uh, Homer tells his son the truth, that he isn't getting a bonus. And they took this job to keep the family from missing out on Christmas. He'd do anything for his family. And Bart responds that Homer must really love them if he's willing to sink so low. Homer tells his son not to get so mushy and he's got a job to do. And then he hits his head as he exits Santa's workshop. Ho, ho, do. He said the line, Steve. He said the thing he says. The annoyed grunt boy. I mean, <laughs> the annoyed grunt. <laughs> or the annoyed grunt boys. That's right. At least were. So Homer shifts ends. He, along with Bart, are on the line to the, uh, with the other Santas, ready to receive a fat paycheck. He tells his kid how rewarding hard work is and is ready to cash the check and get some presents with all the money he's earned, which turns out to be 13 bucks. What? $13 in a 2020 inflation calculator comes to a $27.28. Wow. Which doesn't seem that great. <laughs> no. Uh, so that's uh, $120 gross minus Social Security, unemployment insurance, Santa training, beard rental, and Christmas club. And so Bart is ready to come home while Homer's depressed as you can't get anything for 13 bucks. So if he got the $120, mm-hmm. it would have been $251.83. That's not too bad. We can get some stuff for that. What would the what would be the minimum wage in eighty nine? Like federal. Uh, the federal minimum wage was three thirty five an hour. So that meant that Homer worked as Santa for roughly thirty six hours. So given an eight hour shift and lunch breaks and whatnot, he worked for about a week. Wow! So the federal minimum wage was three dollars and thirty five cents an hour in eighty nine. Yeah. Why Why am I still making that much money now? <laughs> I should <laughs> well, talk to my it's... boss about this. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's it's thirty years later and it's seven twenty five now. The federal, yeah, because yeah, and I know they want. Well, yeah, let's not talk about that. We're in the Christmas yeah. spirit. Let's not talk about money, which has nothing to do with Christmas. That's right. <laughs> uh, once again, Barney steps in and inadvertently offers a solution. All right, thirteen big ones, Springfield Downs. Here I come. What? You heard me. I'm going in the dog track. I got a hot little puppy in the fourth race. Want to come? Sorry, Barney. I may be a total washout as a father, but I'm not going to take my kid to a sleazy dog track on Christmas Eve. Come on, Simpson. The dog's name is Whirlwind. Turn to one shot. Money in the bank. Uh-uh. Oh, come on, Dad. This can be the miracle that saves the Simpsons Christmas. If TV has taught me anything, it's that miracles always happen to poor kids at Christmas. It happened to Tiny Tim. It happened to Charlie Brown. It happened to the Smurfs. And it's going to happen to us. Well, okay, let's go. Who's Tiny Tim? I found it odd that Homer wouldn't know who Tiny Tim was, but Bart does. Yeah. Tiny Tim was a staple on, like, The Tonight Show. Right. He tiptoed through the tulips. You know, that married Miss Vicky. That was one of the biggest ratings things that ever happened on TV. Do you know that he died on stage performing uh, Tiptoe Through the Tulips? I know he died on stage. Interesting. He was a weird guy. He was. They had weird like, diets. Yeah, the audience thought it was an act, and so they're like, yay! Oh, and that then, sucks. Oh. Tiny Tim. Of course, they're Interesting. talking about the uh, character from Christmas Carol, but yeah. See, our final act of the episode begins with the Simpsons family, Sans Bart and Homer, watching the Happy Little Elves Christmas special. You know, with all those other Christmas specials Bart's talked about, uh, he forgot to mention that one. Yeah. Anyways, well, Lisa is enraptured with the plot of the saccharine cartoon, while Grandpa feels that it's worth its drivel. Patty and Selma ask Marge where her husband is. It's getting late, Steve. Oh, no. We then go to Sprinkle Downs, where Bart and Bar- uh, Barney are singing We're in the Money, while uh, Homer is in disbelief in- as to what he's doing. A uh, proto-sarcastic guy tells his son that per tradition, they can't open presents until the eighth race. And Barty points out his favorite dog, Whirlwind, who has won the last five races. But Homer feels that the canine is a scrawny bag of bones. 
but Bart uh, offers that uh, all the dogs are scrawny bags of bones, and Homer is ready to put his faith in a whirlwind to save Christmas, but then over the PA, here's the announcer say that uh, in the fourth race, a dog number eight, Sir Callahan, will be replaced by Santa's little helper. <gasps> Santa's little helper? Interesting. So Homer hears the name, Santa's little helper, and believes it to be a sign, an omen, or as Bart points out, a coincidence. Uh, Homer goes to the bet window and learns that Santa's little helper's odds are 99 to 1, and 99 times 13 equals Merry Christmas, or $1,287. And uh, if that was today's money, Steve, uh-huh. that would be, uh, let me think in my head, $2,700. That's a Christmas. That's a, that's a pretty good Christmas. That's uh, yeah. or you know, what should be a stimulus check to the American people. <laughs> Not a political afterlife. So Bart is unsure, but Homer tells his son that he needs his faith, as sometimes that's all that keeps him going. And they share a little moment. Huh. Bart tells his father to go for it, and Homer puts everything, you know, thirteen dollars on Santa's little helper to win. Uh, back with the family, Lisa is delighted to see that the happy little elves have resolved their Christmas woes, and Abe calls her show unadulterated pap. Patty and Selma point out that it's almost nine o'clock and Homer still isn't home. They call Homer doofus and Lisa questions her aunt's treatment of her father. What, Aunt Patty? Oh, nothing, dear. I'm just trashing your father. Well, I wish you wouldn't because aside from the fact that he has the same frailties as all human beings, he's the only father I have. Therefore, he is my model of manhood, and my estimation of him will govern the prospects of my adult relationships. So I hope you bear in mind that any knock at him is a knock at me, and I am far too young to defend myself against such onslaughts. Mm-hmm. Go watch your cartoon show, dear. I think you alluded to uh, earlier in this podcast that uh, about that scene. Exactly, yeah. that it Just Lisa providing such a well-reasoned and a smart retort and then uh, the uh, Patty saying, go watch your cartoon deer. I think so, that really, it's so, it's condescending. so good. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that you, you put down, you know, a parent in front of a kid, it's kind of messed up. It's really messed up. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've ever been around something like that, but like, you can just imagine like someone just like putting down your parenting skills or whatever in front of, you know, some stranger. I don't know. It just seems messed up. Yeah. And it's yeah. also like the whole thing about like, you can make fun of your parents or your siblings, but if other people do it, it's like crossing a boundary. Right. Right. I would never make fun of your parents, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Wait a minute. Steve, I just not thought of something. Hmm. You might be able to see your parents again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We'll keep an eye out for them. Eh. Eh, whatever. <laughs> They're in the uh, 19th century afterlife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at the dog track, Homer kisses the racing ticket for luck and asks Bart to do the same. The horn blares. The mechanical rabbit is off and the race has begun. Whirlwind takes an early lead, followed by Quadruped, Dog of War, and Fido. The race continues. And with a lock on last place, it's Santa's little helper. Oh, man. Ooh. I'm upset. So is Homer. Oh. And Bart tries to console him by saying that uh, maybe the dog is just building him suspense before the miracle happens. Sadly, though, Bart, like we'll find out in the future, is wrong. <laughs> like, I mean, I meant like uh, Bart's always wrong. Right. That's what I meant. Guess who won the race, Steve? Hmm. It was Whirlwind. They should have listened to Barney. That's right. Anyways, it doesn't seem possible, but uh, TV has betrayed Bart. Oh. Yeah, we've all been there. Mm-hmm. Homer, even more upset than uh, your annoyed grunt boys, doesn't want to leave until Santa's little helper finishes the race. And they stare at the track for about three seconds and says, uh, forget it, and wants to go. It was a great little beat there. <laughs> yeah, I like that little pause. So Bart Just like Homer... Santa's little helper's pause. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> um, Bart and Homer are uh, outside of Springfield Downs, looking through litter in hopes of finding a discarded winning ticket in a last-ditch last effort to save the holiday. Ooh, that's bleak. Yeah. Uh, Barney drives by, happy with his winnings, and even happier with his new lady friend, Daria, who never really shows up again. Oh, she moved away um, and went back to high school, and then was bullied by a couple Beavis and Buttheads. Right, and then she moved again. And had her own show, yeah. She's got, like, Benjamin Button disease. Yeah. Or Barney just picked up an <laughs> eight-year-old. I'm drunk! I didn't know any better. Ray Romano, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's heaven. Everybody loves me. Yeah. Uh, oh, you didn't survive 2020? Nah. Came down with a case of shingles. That's <laughs> <sighs> uh, one of Steve's favorite jokes. Yeah, it is. Uh, the Simpsons boys begin to walk away when they hear a man yell at a dog. Read it! Scram! Get lost! You came in last for the last time! 
Look, Dad, it's Santa's little helper. And don't come back! Oh, no, you don't. No, no, get away from me. Uh-uh. Oh, can we keep him, Dad, please? But he's a loser! He's pathetic! He's... a Simpson. You should call the police. No, oh, he'll sober up. Yeah, come staggering home. Mm-hmm. Smelling a cheap perfume. Homer! What? What? Hold on. Look, everybody, I have a confession to make. This should be good. I didn't get my Christmas bonus. I tried not to let it ruin Christmas for everybody, but no matter what I did... Hey, everybody, look what we got! <laughs> a dog! All right, Dad! God bless him. So love at first sight is possible. And if he runs away, he'll be easy to catch. Oh, this is the best gift of all, Homer. It is? Yes, something to share our love and frighten prowlers. What's his name? Number eight. I, I mean, Santa's little helper. I love Bart's little line of, uh, if he tries to run away, he'll be easy to catch. Yeah. I do love the line, too, of, uh, he's a loser. He's pathetic. Oh, yeah. He's a Simpson. That's one of my favorite lines, I think, from this episode. Definitely. Yeah. One little blunder thing there. When uh, Homer and Marge are hugging, it looks like all the uh, furniture and the lamp and, well, basically the living room. <laughs> upside down. Is upside down. Yeah, you can see Bart's uh, portraits upside down because even the string. But then, yeah. and then uh, when it cuts back to it, it's back to normal. Yeah. That's funny. And that's, yeah, there you go. But uh, that's our episode. That's the uh, the Simpsons Christmas Spectacular. Indeed, can't believe we were watching the first episode, but it's okay because we're <laughs> we're not really recording a podcast, right? Because we're just talking to each other on this couch right. watching this. That was a nice little gift that whatever gave us this remote. Yeah. Watching this, what now? Thirty-two year old episode, thirty-one year old episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we were still alive and you got to get like a shirt or a tattoo even from this episode, what, what would you get? Um, I know it's cliche and obvious, but you got to go with Moth. I think you got to go with Moth. Yeah. I mean, even like the, a, a t-shirt too at the end of just the Merry Christmas from the Simpsons, the, the photograph. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a good. That'd be good fun Christmas shirt to wear. I mean, my, Santa, but Moth. Yeah. Is, yeah. I think my t-shirt would be uh, Lisa dancing in the grass skirt. <laughs> That'd be my tattoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why do you have a naked eight-year-old girl on your uh, body? Like, it's not naked. Those are leggings. Yeah. You pervert. <laughs> um, I do like my gift idea, though. Simpsons fans out there, if you ever do like white elephant gifts or just, you know, Simpsons fan, just do the, uh, get the dog pork chop toy, some pantyhose and some ream and paper. It's beautiful. I love it. Hopefully they will get the joke. Uh, what about quotes or uh, gags or scenes? Uh, for me, and we talked about it too, right? Lisa stating, you know, why Homer's important to her, obviously because he's a father and a male figure. I think that seems great. Yeah. I enjoyed uh, Bart's r- rational thinking of like, well, m- mom's going to love this tattoo because it makes me look so dangerous. I mm-hmm. love that. Uh, even Skinner, who we haven't really established yet, flubbing a line in the beginning there was great Ugh, there's for me in the very first episode i gotta say there's a lot of fun stuff in this yeah skinner might be my mvj just because his reading and everything about it was so good um but you're right i think my favorite quote is lisa's little uh monologue yeah and as i said before just uh when they realize that santa's little helper is a simpson i think that that really encapsulates uh what they're all about and what the family is oh and i still even laugh at to this day, the whole, you know, Homer training to be a Santa and, uh, oh, Bart's arm too with the owl, quit it, owl, quit yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you talk about it like people, the first season is like rough or whatever, but it still felt like, very much felt like an 80s family sitcom. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's fun about The Simpsons. And obviously, we've seen the evolution of, of these characters and, you know, how things change. But it's so fun to go back during the holidays, during Christmas time, just to watch this episode. I, I still laugh. I still love it. It's always going to be a staple as much as, like, our parents before us. Well, no, not maybe our parents. But, you know, kids before us that grew up with, like, the Charlie Brown thing, like the kids of the 60s and 70s, which mm-hmm. never really was my cup of tea. Maybe they make jokes about that, too, in this episode. Yeah. It's heartwarming, and I'm always will watch it. Yeah, I love how much it feels like a Christmas special, and it's great that we got so much Simpsons from this and beyond. Mm-hmm. But if we didn't, and it was just this was the Simpsons special that we got, we got nothing else. It would be so meaningful. 
going back and watching it, you realize how much fun it is and how much they've changed and grown. But this one is so sweet and I love the pacing. You know, it's not really fair to compare it to modern day Simpsons or Mm-mm. because it's it's its own thing and it's it's a nice piece of art. Not to be highfalutin, but it's just, it works so well that I don't want to give it a rating because it, it seems wrong. Well, I will give it a rating, Steve. Okay. It's the first episode of The Simpsons, so I'm going to rate it out of one. I give this episode a one out of one. Fair enough. I will do the same. <laughs> well, sure was fun watching the first episode and the Christmas special of The Simpsons, but uh, yeah. I guess we'll just stick on this couch in front of this TV with this magic remote. Do you think people down on earth can still go to our t public site which is uh, tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grunt boys for some merch i sure hope so i'm not sure how this works in the afterlife but maybe they can still contact us at one three eight simpsons on twitter instagram and uh facebook maybe and maybe even uh you know email transfers through that great big void and uh they can email us at one three eight simpsons at gmail.com and maybe they can even write what they thought of us when we were alive by going to their favorite podcasting app and uh, leaving five stars or the equivalent. And they don't even have to write a real review. They can just write how they hope that they die. Seems weird, Steve. You know, we've been through some I don't know, hundred adventures. Could this be the end of our podcast? Oh, I don't know, Steve. I just feel like every week something odd happens to this podcast. My advice is to write it out. We'll make an occasional smart aleck quip. And by next week, we'll be back to where we started from. Ready for another crappy podcast. Alrighty. So we just hit next? Yeah, you got the remote. Alrighty. Ah, crap. Is this the one with Mel Gibson? Ah, oh boy. Well, I guess we better watch. Well, I wish everyone happy holidays from beyond seasons 11 and beyond. That's right. Merry whatever, everybody. And I've been half an annoyed grunt boy, Craig. And I've been your other half annoyed grunt boy, Steve. We'll keep watching the skis. Smell you later, Craig. Smell you later.